We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, probably a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and GSPN. I'm one of your hosts, Ty Windish, here with my guy. It was fun recording a couple Bucks pods with Jordan, Eurostep, and winning six on this feed last week, but so happy to be back with the one, the only, Rohan Kadi. Rohan, how's it going? Merry Christmas, happy holidays, my friend. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, everyone out there. It's it's weird. I think this is the longest stretch I've been like not on a pod since I started. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been what was the last one? December twelfth. Wow, that's is it really ridiculous. Been that long? Yeah, dang. Yeah. I'm glad you're you still can make noises with your mouth and thus do the podcast. I'm glad that wasn't you know, forgotten in this time. It's 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 there's like an itch I have like it's, yeah it, like. One, I had something and then scheduling issues, but mm. uh, no, we're back. I have an itch. I'm ready to talk Milwaukee Bucks basketball. When you're at family gatherings, do people talk Bucks to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's fun, isn't it? Every, everyone talks Bucks to me. It's yeah, kind of fun. I kind of like yeah. it because like, I don't mind small talk. There's an agenda against small talk. There's a time and place for small talk. I don't need to – there's edgy people online. Are like Small talk is the worst. If I bump into someone I kind of know at the grocery store – we don't need to talk about Elon Musk. We can talk about the weather. It's fine. It's fine. But I do like when you're at like gatherings with people you kind of know, right? Or like family you don't talk to all the time. Having Bucks talk built in, I think it's great. I love it. Sports. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, sports are the best. Sports bring people together. I love sports. And weather talk. But speaking of sports, oh, I'll stick up for weather talk. It's the Midwestern enemy. The Milwaukee Bucks, four of their last six games, they kind of got dusted. I don't know if everyone would say the word blood about all, all four. They end up losing to the Cavs by eight points, although it looked much worse than that until the fourth quarter. But obviously this began this recent tough stretch, a 142-101 loss to Memphis. Good wins against Utah and New Orleans. Those were good wins Well, at, on the road in New Orleans, that one especially. In Cleveland, lose by eight. 
in Brooklyn, lose by 18 to the Nets. And the Nets just looked better, like most of the game. And the Nets just look great in general. Yeah, they beat a bunch of bad teams in the Bucks who have kind of been playing like a bad team, but they are taking care of business, no question. And then you give up 139 to Boston. The first half of this game, I thought, was pretty good. Uh, you know, the Bucks were losing, but it was not It was a, a one-point one game at half. Oh, it was a one-point game. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They pulled it even closer at half. And then the third quarter and fourth quarter, Boston puts it away. 139-118. This was a tough stretch of the schedule. A lot of road games. Some good teams I just listed. But still, the Bucks got punked in four of these six games. We're really not used to seeing that. So I think the question here is obvious, Rohan. How concerned should we be that three games in a row and four out of the last six, the Bucks just weren't competitive for all or most of the game? Here's the thing. So we 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 said up top, it's the holiday season. You know, imagine imagine like holiday you, season. <laughs> you're going to work. It's like the week of Christmas, New Year's. A lot of people are taking off. How much are you putting in at the office? And I'm not asking you personally. Don't uh, don't don't say that. <laughs> like, uh, like how 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 hard are you working? You know, like can you can you can you attribute it to that? Obviously not. No, uh, I was going to say no. <laughs> I was just joking. But there is some level of concern here. Like you mentioned, it was a tough stretch of the schedule. You play four road games against four teams who think they can win their conference. Like the Pelicans think they can win the West. Cleveland thinks they can win the East. Brooklyn thinks they can win the East. Boston thinks they can win the East. And these are all teams who take the Bucs very seriously because the Bucs, uh, you know, obviously they were the, uh, a top seed last year, won the title the season before. They're a formidable threat in the entire NBA. Most people consider them one of the top two teams in the entire NBA along with Boston. They get up for these games. We know this. Everyone gets up against the Bucs. My level of concern is that the Bucks are not getting up for other teams. Exactly. Like, yeah. The like I mentioned, oh yeah, these teams think they should be able to win the conference, so they're going to get up for the Bucks. The Bucks should be getting up for these teams because they should think they can win the conference. Like, yeah. Obviously, the New Orleans win was a good win. Cleveland come out so lax, so yeah. lax. If you didn't get up, if you didn't get out to that really, really slow start, you're probably winning that game yeah. based on what Giannis did in the second half. And I'll say Brooklyn, that game, no, that game, real quick. The Memphis game, I was like, okay, Memphis punched him in the mouth. They gave up. Whatever. It's a lot of road games. Like Memphis, you know, there's a Taylor probably James getting thing. probably getting some barbecue. You but know? yeah, I mean, and it's, that's not a rivalry, right? Like, there's not yeah. they haven't met in the playoffs, whatever else. And then Cleveland. They came back late, and it was like, you know what? They beat the Cavs twice without Jared Allen, who turns out makes a big difference. And I was like, okay, they beat them twice already. They haven't met in the playoffs either. That's fine. The games you're going to get to, though, Brooklyn and Boston, there can be no excuse for not seeing like a top-tier performance against those teams. We all still hear about Kevin Durant and his floppy-ass shoes, and obviously we know what happens with what happened with Boston seven months ago. Like That should still be fresh. Yeah, and even the players were talking about it. Like Bobby Portis was talking about it. Like uh, I think it was mentioned on the ESPN broadcast uh, for the Christmas Day game against Boston. Like, oh yeah, Bobby Portis is saying, yeah, we don't, we're not forgetting about these things. Are you, are you sure about that? Are did, are you so caught up in the memory of last season's playoff that you decided to play like that? Like normally you'd think you'd improve upon that, but you're right. They should absolutely be fresh, and like. 
obviously I'm not like in full on panic mode, right? It is December. I cannot be in full on panic mode. We have to remember that, you know, it's a long regular season. These things happen. You're going to go through your tough stretches. You're going to play against a bunch of good teams who have something to prove early on, who are still chasing things. Like, for example, like Boston. I'm not saying this is their motivation, but this is what's happening. Like Jason Tatum chasing an MVP award. Hasn't won that before. You see Brooklyn, Kevin Durant. He's probably trying to, he's chasing whatever KD chases. Uh, ben Ben Simmons is trying to like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a good tweeter though. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to prove that he belongs. Like Cleveland's trying to assert themselves like, hey, we belong in this conversation. Like we've never been at the top. We need to show we belong at the top. Same goes with New Orleans. The Bucks don't have those things to prove. We know they've been to the mountaintop. Giannis has accomplished like every single individual award that you can. Except for like what? I don't know. Didn't get rookie, rookie of the year. year. That yeah, one's rookie gonna of the be year. Hard. That one's going to be hard now. Plush player of the year. Oh Christ! <laughs> um, I think SGA's got that one locked up already. But yeah. like, obviously, those things aren't going to matter to the Bucks in December. While it's going to matter to these teams in December, right? So that's another potential reason why I'm saying like I'm not full on panic mode yet. Yeah. But you should like there's should be a little bit of a concern level here because you're seeing the Bucks for three games in a row getting punked by good teams. And they just they don't look like th- this is like this is going to sound very like vague to say, but they don't look like a championship contender right now. No. And I think, you know, we can talk about all this off court stuff and theories and everything. And I, I still think I still think we didn't see the right level of energy, especially I would say Cleveland, Memphis. I'm just like it sucks that that happened. They clearly were like, yeah, whatever. We're gonna let this. You guys want this really bad. We don't care that much. Go ahead. Like that was the Memphis game. The Cleveland game was disappointing. They didn't try hard enough. I thought Brooklyn and Boston. The reason I'm not panicking, but certainly concerned, and like now I'm I'm looking up the Jordan Clarkson trade scenarios again. The off the and I know they gave up what one forty to Boston and however much to to Brooklyn. I still watch the games and think bad offense is feeding into a lot of that scoring for the other team. The other teams get in rhythm. They're getting transition because of all the turnovers. They actually only had fifteen against Boston, but I think they had eighteen against uh, the Nets. And I just look at this and you see you see the guys that you know you can rely on every game. Drew had. I think like 16 and then 23, he wasn't great against uh, 18 against Brooklyn. He wasn't great, but he, we know what Drew is going to do. Maybe the efficiency is not there. He's probably going to be around 20 points and like five to eight assists, which is where he was. Giannis has been struggling a little bit, but he's 26 points, then 27 points. Brooke Lopez came through, I'd say, in both games. He had 23 against Brooklyn and 16 against Boston. Seven for eight from the field. Brooke was there. Those are the three guys we know we can rely on. Pat Connaughton, 15 against Boston in a start. We'll get to more Pat later. And he had six against uh, Brooklyn, so not great. Bobby Portis? And this that's like the line, I think, of like, I guess, every game trust where I'm at right now, more or less. And we get to Bobby Portis, who had a good game against Brooklyn, 10 points, four points against Boston, 23 minutes. Not good enough. Grayson Allen, three points against Brooklyn in 24 minutes. Doesn't shoot. I don't know why he stopped shooting the ball. Eight points in 29 minutes. Better. Not good enough. Minus 17. Joe Ingles. Whew. Joe Ingles hit some threes against Boston. Scored 11 points. Still minus 12. 
Not seeing the defense. He had 11 points in that game. Yep. He had a couple uh, threes. Two three, threes free throws. Three yeah. three throws, yeah. No assists and three turnovers in that game. And he had two assists and no turnovers against Brooklyn, but he missed all four of his shots. It's not been there. Now, I know why they play him. They want to see what's there. So far, the answer is nothing. Javon Carter. And it's, it's been three games also. It's been or four three games. still. Four I think it's been four now. Four. Right? Four. Yeah. 21% from the field, 17% from three, one turnover per game, or one assist per game, two turnovers per game. It's been really bad. I'm not saying this is, you know, the peak of what he'll be this year. But these four games have been horrendous. It's not, not trending in the it's not trending in the right direction, Zach. No. It's just it's been really bad. And I, I don't say that lightly. Horrendous. Like it's been mm-hmm. horrible. So they're kind of tanking. And I think that has a lot to do with the results in these four games, quite honestly. Uh, or three of the four. They won the first game he played um, where he did not do much either. Javon Carter, who I like, is just totally out of rhythm. Two for ten against Brooklyn. And then three for five, a little better against Boston. Actually looked better, but just didn't matter enough. The Brooklyn game, though, a start for him was really rough. Wes Matthews. He's there. He didn't play against Brooklyn. But then in Boston, I think Bud got a little spooked about playing Marjon against the Celtics. Don't think that was the right call. Marjon had five and three minutes. Wes had two and 15 minutes. Like, Marjon, I think we need to see some more. He's been promising. But I just go through all these guys to say the offense outside of the big three that you would expect and sort of pat, it's just not there. And they just don't have anything consistent. And Giannis is just working so damn hard. Thankfully, the jumper started to fall again. But I just yeah. think, I mean, it's going to sound like an excuse or a broken record or something. This is the Chris Middleton absence. Like they yep, this really is, need him. And I, I feel like it's it's kind of we we forgot to mention Chris Middleton didn't play any of these games uh, where he's uh, uh, where the Bucks have been blown out. But yeah. unfortunately, that's something the Bucks have had to be used to this entire season, considering he's played what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games this season. Yep, and what so, one and a half playoff games. So basically. Like 11, 10, 11 games in seven months. Eight months, yeah. Eight months. So it's uh, it's not, it's not great. Obviously, like this team is missing its second best player. We can't get all caught up in that and say like, oh, there should be reason for concern, reason for panic because the Bucks are getting blown out again. They still don't have Chris Middleton. But I think, however, that is my reason. That's the real reason yes. I have for concern. Yes is that Chris Middleton is still dealing with injuries and it's a new injury every time. And I know Bud gave a nice sounding update. Oh, he's practicing and we saw him shooting around. Eric Name posted a video and this was on Tuesday, I think. We're recording this on Wednesday during the day. They play the Bulls tonight. I mean, certainly hope they win, but it's not going to erase all concerns. If they look terrible in that game, though, it's going to be a new level of – it's unacceptable. Just, just, really. take, just take what we say here and just multiply it by like three. Yeah. I mean it's unacceptable to lose to the Bulls in any circumstance. But especially with these recent results, we need to see a team. They have an extra off day now. Chicago's not not a home game but pretty damn close. We need to see a much better game. We should see a blowout quite honestly with the way the Bulls are playing. But the the practice update was nice. The clip was nice. He went from doubtful to out though on the injury report with an extra day off. So – you know, I don't know what it is. Of course, the Debbie Downers of the world are already saying, oh, he's going to be having surgery in a week or we're not going to see him until late Jan. Who knows? But it's just concerning that he's back for a handful of games and then a new injury, 
multiple games, more than a week or two now, and doesn't seem, I mean, he's moving around, but he's not imminently returning. Like, we don't have an update on when he's going to be back again. They clearly don't have the offensive juice to beat good teams without him, reliably. Yeah, they really don't. And you, it's been very evident when you're playing these good teams, like these good defenses. Like Brooklyn, for all that we talk about, has been playing good defense. They've been a good defensive team during their winning streak. Boston already a great defense. Cleveland, great defense. Like the Pelicans, even good defense. When you're playing these good half-court defenses, and being like a the half-court offense has always been something that's played the Bucks ever, like forever, during the Giannis era, during the Butt era, whatever you want to say. Half-court offense has always been a little bit of a struggle. But that struggle is being put on a freaking pedestal in these games. Like there is a light just shining down on that issue during these games because you're seeing, yeah, Giannis is going to be Giannis. But without Chris Middleton, without another reliable secondary scoring option, sorry, Drew Holiday, they're just going to load up on Giannis and say, oh, yeah, Drew Holiday, go beat us. Grayson Allen, go beat us. Brooke Lopez, go beat us. And that's not going to work in the playoffs. Like, yeah. as much as I love those guys, that's it, not their game. It's going to work three times out of seven, which is the issue, right? Like, we're going to exactly. get some games where, oh, yeah, Grayson Grayson had 18 and four assists. He looked great. And then there's going to be some games where he has three points and shoots the ball twice. Like, that's... And and also, Giannis is good enough where if, even if you send the whole team at him, he'll still dominate. Yeah, but it's not, it's not reliable. So, I... You know, I do think we're at a point now, and the same with Bobby Portis, a guy who we, you know, we couldn't stop praising for how he played for a couple of weeks there. He's still not, he's not a star player. He's a role player. And we saw that because these last two games, his impact, and more than that, there's been a couple more recently too. The, the, the three not falling has really taken away from what he's able to do. He hasn't gotten comfortable in the post. He's gotten a little bit, you know, taken advantage of and not made plays and lost some minutes even. So I think they were held up for a while by, Grayson, Javon Carter, Bobby Portis having these great runs. But, you know, on the road, we see those things less. And against good teams, we tend to see those things less. And that's when not having Chris, I think, really shows the most. I think the Bucks should be poking around some more offense at the trade deadline. Like, I would still like a big wing. That's that's fine. I'm still not going to pencil in Marjan for doing too much. Like Bossman 99. If you want to get Bossman 99, sure. Can we get some more offense? Because I, I think at this point, as much as it hurts to say it, you do need better Chris Middleton insurance. It's not there. I, I just don't think we can rely on Marjan yet. And even if you know you trust the skill set we've seen, he's not going to go get you. He's he's not a shot points, Yeah, and and couple assists a game like Jordan Clarkson, whoever else. Not yet, exactly. But you know you need it now. I think it's just been put on display that like there's not enough. As much as you especially, and I like Grayson Allen, he's not that guy that's going to do that every night. You need someone who you can rely on more because they haven't been able to rely on Chris for the last several months, most of this year. And it sucks to say, we love Chris. We'd love to see Chris healthy. We just haven't. And it's a huge problem and it's costing the bucks. And and even if, like, knock on wood, we get fully healthy Chris Middleton, uh, back, you still, if even if you go poke around and get some more offense, that's only going to help your team. Yeah. You know, like even with Chris Middleton, this team has struggled with half court offense, yeah. like I mentioned. So it's like, if, if you want to find an obvious glaring hole weakness on this Bucks team, it is shot creation. It is offense. So if you want to go improve that, sure, for Chris Middleton insurance, sure. But even with Chris Middleton, you could use a little bit of that improvement. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's that's more or less what we've learned, and I think a little bit less confident in the depth as well. I still think everything's going to look much much better with Chris or with some other offensive creator out there. And but, once Joe Ingles gets into a rhythm, you get Marjan getting into a rhythm. Maybe you see, maybe on you the see, first one. You see, you see Wes. I mean, how am I the one who's not I don't know. doing? <laughs> um, but. Uh, Listen, I don't want to be right, everyone. For everyone wondering, like, oh, this, he's just hating on Joe Ingles because he had that no, take. No, you're not. I want to. I want to be. I, I know, but also, I'm saying I want to be yeah. wrong. I don't want to be right. I'm fine admitting when I'm wrong, and I hope to be wrong here, but I haven't been proven wrong yet. No, I mean it's just like I, I was optimistic about him, and I understand there's some rust as an acclimation process. It's been four games. Yeah, four awful games. Like, yeah, it's been bad. There's a level of like, okay, he's still figuring things out that I think would be like, yeah, I get it. That's not been this. Like, he's just out there. He's made like two nice passes. He's hit a couple of threes. If that continues, maybe you'll you'll see the the case more. I mean, and, and I understand. I'm not saying you bench him forever. Like, they want to see what they have and see what he can be this season. I totally get that. They are hurting badly by not playing George Hill and by playing Joe Ingles. Hill was much better. And I think what we know a the wild ceiling. sentence to say. <laughs> he was good, man. I know, I know you're not wrong. You're I, not wrong. I mean, I but it's just like imagine telling us that in like I the know. summer. I mean even like a month ago. But yeah. I mean Javon Carter's got to continue having good outings or I think he's gonna he might fall into Hill getting some of those minutes because Hill looked just steadier and more consistent. Yeah, I don't know for sure. It's like, but here's the thing though, because we are getting close to the trade deadline talk, because that's going to be in like a month and a half ish. Not even, yeah, it's like Feb nine this year. I think it's early. Is it? Oh, yeah. okay, shoot. So like a month and like yeah, two a weeks month ish. and a week and a half or two weeks. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So you you mentioned up top about like Jordan Clarkson. Like I'm just trying to like this is obviously preliminary. We'll do we'll do full in-depth yeah. trade deadline analysis as it approaches. But like that's is that the type of player you want to target? Like if you want to get a I, I love how we've come full circle on this. We I went know. Jordan Clarkson. We did then the we went pod. boss man. Yeah. And now we're going back to Jordan Clarkson. Well, I mean, it changes how you feel when you see the team play, right? And that's why yeah. deals usually don't get made until you know, they have to be because all the teams want to be like, what do we actually need? Russell Westbrook. Uh, no. <laughs> he's been good. I'm kidding, obviously, yeah, but he's I been decent. I, I would like Clarkson more than boss man again at this point. I think I might be there too. And I think it's, I don't know, it might be a contract. It's a contract year for him probably as a player option. He's going to decline. But 20 points and four and a half assists per game, shooting 50% from two. The three has fallen off like I kind of expected. Honestly, I can live with the three falling off a little bit. Like, I don't even – if he doesn't close, that's fine. I'm talking about a 20-point-per-game guy who can create his own shot. Like, imagine if some of these minutes where we see these crazy lineups where he, he, sometimes with Drew they get crazy too, but without Drew and Giannis. And it's Jordan Clarkson out there operating and getting guys moving around him like they should. Like, I think that changes your team entirely – not to mention the minutes with him and Giannis, like that could be really fun as well. So I, I don't want someone – I want someone who's going to pass too. I think that's important. Like I don't want just a scorer. I had Gary Trent Jr. floated to me. Ooh. I'm good. I'm good. I wouldn't be mad, I wouldn't be mad at it. No. I mean he's had, he's, had a t- he's had a tough year. Yeah. But I'm like, good. I'm, I don't want to trade with Masai. I know people say that about Ainge too. But And the Jazz down to ninth in the West now. Maybe it's different. I, I didn't look today. But they, they've fallen off a bit. They're now in play-in range. I think the start was fun, but I think we all probably understood to some level the Laurie Markkinen, Kelly Olenek front court probably not really going to get you a, t- a home court in the first-round seed in the West. So I feel like we are going to see some more Jazz trades at some point, and I think it's going to cost maybe even that 2029 first, but I don't know. That kind of offense is is really valuable to any team and certainly would be to the Bucks. For sure. Like like I mentioned a, uh, a little bit earlier, just offense is fine. You have enough defensive stalwarts on your roster where you don't have to be super, super worried about like, oh my goodness. I mean, it depends on what you trade, but you don't have to be worried about like, oh, we're just going to be an offense first team versus a defense first team. Because at this team's core, they're always going to be a defense first team. That's who they are. That's their identity. And that's how they're going to play. Uh, regardless of who's on the roster, but it helps that the roster is full of great defenders. But you're still going to be able to have guys to lean on. Like you're not trading Drew, you're not trading Brooke, you're not trading Yes, you're not trading, you're not trading those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you're always going to have those guys to rely on. Just didn't include Chris there. A defensive stalwart. Oh, I just thought it was a list of guys. He looked good. Oh, on defense no. That's what he played. 
He does. He does. He has looked good on defense when he's played, but I still wouldn't consider him a defensive stalwart. What are the chances is a Chris trade this season? Very low, because this is the lowest value he's ever going to have. I'm not saying zero either, though, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I'm not saying zero either, but I doubt it. I yeah. very much doubt it because uh, yeah. it's like uh, it, if you're ma- if you're trying to maximize a Chris Middleton return, like one, it would have been this summer. Uh, well, I mean, it would have considering it, it was just wrist surgery at that point. Yeah, but I mean, is it just wrist surgery? I mean, offhand wrist surgery is not like insane. Well, I mean, I guess I kept him out quite a while, but I yeah, there's conditioning but, in there. Yeah. But uh, also, he's dealing with all these nagging injuries now. And one, I don't think they need to trade Chris right now. As long as they feel good about his health. Yes. Relatively good. As, it's it's hard to feel that good about hey, it. Chris's jersey's going up no matter what. I'll yep. say that. That's that's all I'll say. Uh, one thing, uh, did you have any other trade sort of thing you wanted to touch on? I don't think so. I, I certainly think they're going to be active, though. We've gotten that question a couple of times. Will they make a move? I, I don't know. Maybe the roster's good Hor- enough. Horst, Horst is always active. Yeah. Horst is always but active. But I did wonder the continuity and everything. I, I think there's going to be a move. Yeah. I mean, like, what's this continuity really doing? Like, Wes Matthews isn't playing. Serge Ibaka isn't playing. I mean, Wes Matthews is playing a little bit, and it's not, here it's not, going, well, it's yeah. not going well at all. Uh, no. I love, I love you, Wes, but... Yeah, I just, was gonna just, say just, the wing just defense. Teach the wing defense is not as secure as we thought it was heading into the season. Yeah, because it's like I did not think we were gonna predict this much of a fall off from West. Yeah. Because he was an absolute stud last year defensively. And he has not was... been stopping guys this season. <laughs> no. But it's regular no, season, he but he has not been stopping guys. Yes. And even if it is just regular season, you're saving him. Maybe save him a little more. <laughs> like for these games. That's so scary, though, if you're like, yeah, he wasn't good all season, but we know he's going to be good now. Maybe, if anyone could do it, it's Wes. But yeah, I don't always know. believe in Wes. But uh, speaking of defense, mm. that is one thing I'm very concerned about. Okay. So one thing you mentioned, like, we've been seeing these blowouts. The defense hasn't looked the same at all. Like, we're seeing them give up 142 points to Memphis. We're seeing them give up. How, how much do they give up? Uh like a lot, uh, uh, one one nineteen the Pelicans, like one thirty nine to Boston, a team that are like they did shoot the lights out in that game, but had been struggling to find an offensive rhythm whatsoever. You're starting to see a little bit more. Uh, I don't think like you and you and Jordan touched on this a little bit, but we're seeing we're seeing a little bit more of a regression back to normal defense, like uh, the core defense from uh, previous years. Rather than sticking with their uh, non-overhelping scheme uh, from the beginning of the season, we're starting to see a little bit getting back into old habits, and I'm starting to get in, I'm starting to get a little concerned here, Ty. Like there's there was a play there was a play in the Boston game where Drew I think was trying to contain Derek White, and Drew was containing Derek White on a drive, like he had the shot blocked, but Brooke like flies in from the corner just to try and deter the shot more, and Derek White's like, okay, I don't have a layup here because Drew's smothering me. But what I do have now is a wide open Al Horford in the corner for three. And it's just like, where are these old habits coming from again? Like, Brooke Lopez is a guy who's going to be a very, very smart defender. Again, he's still probably the leader in defensive player of the year up there with Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, he's still up there. And you're still seeing these teams make these mistakes again and again, game after game. And that's becoming a trend that's been really concerning to me. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think it kind of started when more players started returning, like Pat and Pat Condon, and then you inter- you integrate Jingles as well. And it's not it's been sloppy. It's not been what was advertised and what we saw earlier in the season. And I really hope that these are bumps in the road and not an indication that the Bucks aren't sticking with this three-point defense that you know, what was a focus starting the first day of camp, I think we learned in uh, a story in SI talking to Brooke Lopez. I think they need to play that way. So I would agree. It's like, just trust the defenders. We've said this a million times on this podcast over the years. Trust your defenders because they've always had great defenders and they've always sent help that they just didn't, they don't need to send most of the time. Yeah, it's like trust trust your guys to play well. And what's bothered me about like, I think that's a good point. I didn't really consider that. And where it's like you see these guys coming back and it's like Pat Connaughton, uh, he hasn't he hasn't played in this like new defense very much. Uh, and you see him coming back and he's he's looked good. He's looked good uh, in these last yeah. few games. He look, he's looked good, especially as a starter against Boston. Maybe that's just Boston Pat. I mean, we know that in revenge games and all that. But uh, it's like Toronto Thon. We got Boston Pat. Oh you um, had to work Thon maker into this somehow, didn't you? <laughs> always, always die. Uh, I still believe, um, but uh, you're starting to see Pat come back, and it's like, okay, maybe we're seeing a little bit of a jumpiness from Pat. Yeah. Jingles, sure, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He hasn't played for this team more than yeah. four games. But just like and Chris combined, as well. Chris was the other guy Chris who came well. back and and was kind of had to get used to it. Chris especially, but like, Chris again, especially. Chris looked good. Chris yeah. looked good though. Individual defense, I mean, like team defense was still like a yeah. little bit. Uh, are you going to get lost sometimes? But you just see these guys getting lost. You see them conceding so, like easy switches, like against Boston. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like they were, they had no resistance on switches whatsoever. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of games one and two of the finals, where they mm. were just like like lazy switching. Bobby Portis is under like Chris Paul and Devin yeah. Booker, like no resistance whatsoever. Yep. And just doing that, it's like okay, uh, if you're gonna switch, like. Switching should be something that you're forced to do. Yeah. Not something you give up intentionally. Yeah, those are you annoying know? when it's like the saw. It's not even a screen. It's just like a. It's a like a guy. He just stands. He just yeah. walks up. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, okay, it's let's just switch. Like, yeah, exactly. You you saw a lot of you saw a lot of that against Boston, and that that really bothered me. Like you're seeing these old habits rear their ugly head. And it's just like, okay, does this team need to get focused? Do they need to? Are are they actually like being coached to do this? Again, we can't answer that question. Yeah, but yeah, I know something needs to change. Yeah, and I will say one last thing. I guess again, another excuse or whatever. This was the hell stretch of the schedule where they played every other day, most of them on the road for most of December. So this was not 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 like realistically we expected them to go nine and one in their last ten or anything. But it's just the manner they lost a couple of these games is has been concerning. So. I think the defense is a good point as well. We focus a lot on offense because I think it just looks so bad a lot of the time, especially these turnovers, the live ball ones. But defense needs to be better. So they need to be better uh, all together, both sides. Um, my one thing to focus on, you brought it up actually. Starter Pat, I'm here for it. I just think whether Chris is back, when Chris is back, when he's not back, we've been overthinking this. Pat is the fifth best player on the team. Pat should start, even though he's not, you know, is he the fifth best offensive player? Maybe not. Fifth best defensive player? Maybe not. Overall, the sum of the parts and how much you just trust him to, even with the some of the defensive foibles he and the other Bucks 
have committed. I think he should just be out there. So you mentioned starting against Boston. I don't know if you saw this, but I pulled the averages across all 31 of his Bucks starts the other day. Okay, let me hear. 30 regular season, one playoff. Most of them were last season, but it's at least two every year, I think, that he started. So in 28.8 minutes per start, he averages 10.8 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 1.7 assists to 0.6 turnovers. So almost a three to one assist to turnover, even though he doesn't get too many assists. So 10, four and a half, and nearly two assists, 28.8 minutes, 69.7% from two, 39.3% from three, 90% from free throw is starter Pat's averages in that time. So I think the field goal is probably a little under 50 because I think it's more threes than twos. But like flirting with 50, 40, 90, 10, four and a half, nearly two assists per game. Why not? It's really good. Why are we not just doing this? I mean, I think we've we've always conceded that Pat is like the perfect guy within like the core four guys. He's yeah. he's the guy to to be there. And we've always said like, hey, he should like he's probably going to be closing a lot of games. I don't think we've been way off the mark there. But it's like it's it's to a point where it's like, how else do you get other guys involved? I think that's been the that's been the concession. Like, if you get if you get Grayson going early, it's like you're going to save that. And it's like if you don't play him in the second half because you're playing a lot more Pat, that's that's a, excuse me a desirable outcome. Uh, same with like Javon Carter. Same with like Marjan. Like you get these guys going early in the first half before guy they they can get targeted potentially, and then you you go to le- and you lean more on Pat in the second half and close with Pat. I think that's been the idea, but I'm start I'm getting convinced. I'm getting convinced I about just... Pat being a starter because it's like like you mentioned, he's the best guy out of these out of these options to start. Like if you want to talk Javon, you want to talk Grayson, you want to talk Marjan. Uh, I think those are the only realistic options. Bobby, uh, I guess. Bobby, yeah. yeah. Um, he's the best fit. He's the best fit. He might not be the best player. I still, I still might concede that Bobby's a better player. I'll take Pat um, in that. To be honest with you, potentially. Bobby like, there's has a, there's more. A, there's a, a debate. Bobby has more A plus skills. I think Pat's the better player all around. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I'm not going to like be upset with that take or anything. Yeah, but Pat's odd. He's the obvious clear fit. He's a guy who can switch. Uh, uh, he can play multiple positions offensively and defensively. Very versatile player. Great shooter. Great team defender. Smart defender when he's not jumping out of his shoes. And it's just, it's such a good fit. He's always been such a good fit. The only question that's uh, a, a, like arisen over his tenure in Milwaukee is like, uh, first off, it was the shooting. Is he going to be a cold shooter? That's why he would go through these streaks of being like a really hot shooter, really cold shooter. That sort of subsided. He became more consistent. He was a little bit erratic on the defensive end. Like I mentioned, jumping out of his shoes. He's going to be jumping at every pump fake. He's going to be getting out of position, gambling for steals. Maybe uh, since that subsided, maybe that was just Dante running, uh, rubbing (laughs) off on him. Uh, Because now that he's gone, he doesn't do that anymore. It's like, wow, that's wild. Uh, So that concern has sort of been mitigated. And now you see Pat is sort of this perfect role player for this Bucks team. He's a, he'd be a perfect role player on any team, but yeah. especially, especially with this Bucks team. He knows how to play with Giannis. He knows how to play off of Giannis and Chris. And he knows how to just be a good defender, good team player, knows where everyone's going to be, knows how to get these other guys involved. He can be, we've seen him be like a ball handler at times. 
you, once he's like the outlet, we've seen him be a slasher too. Mm-hmm. Great cutter, great off ball mover, good passer, good passer. He's the guy. Yeah, I, and I think too, it's like okay. Let's look at specifically like the cases I've seen against Pat. Right. So one, as you mentioned, like the you know, oh, is that going to be bad for Grayson or for Javon? Quite honestly, I mean that, that's unfortunate if it is. What's best for the Milwaukee Bucks? Why are we making lineup decisions based on one guy, right? Like, I want the team to be good. And I think the team is better if Pat starts because he, he adds more than the other two guys. I think, you know, if Grayson Allen at this point can't figure out how to be an effective bench scorer. Just shoot Grayson. Can I, no, let, me, let, let me go on a little bit of a tip. Just shoot the damn ball, Grayson yep. Allen. Yep. Like, guys are going under screens and you hesitate for a split second. That's not what you're out there to do. Nope. I'm sorry, son. I adopted you <laughs> on the last playback. But, like, what are you doing out there? I'm going to I'm gonna make an air video about this uh, yeah. in the next few That'd days. But, like, you see these guys, like, give Grayson, like, a split second of daylight. That's when you operate. That's what you're out there to do. Yeah. Take that three. Make the defenses respect you instead of hesitating for a second and then going on a drive. And to his credit, to his credit, the like the drives have been looking so, so much better. They've been looking a lot 60% cleaner. 60% of been, them. Yes. He's been finishing. Like He had a thunderous dunk. He actually did he that did against it. Boston. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. He actually tried it after going completely awry in the Cavs game. <sighs> Uh, he actually connected on it. He had his Tony Snell moment and it just like, he's gotten better at that during the season, over the course of the season, earlier in the season, his passes were way off. His, uh, his, like his decision-making was way off. Now he's seeing guys earlier. He's recognizing guys earlier. He's making correct passes. His drives are looking better. Grayson Allen. I'm so proud of you that those are better, but you're a great shooter. And that's what you're out there to do. Shoot the ball. Drive should be a secondary outlet. That should be you attacking closeouts. That should not be you having to mess up after, like, that should not be what you need to do after you gave up the daylight that the defense gave you. Because the yeah. defense right now, they're recognizing that you're not shooting the ball. They'll give you that second of daylight because they know they can recover. Yeah. Make them pay for that. Make them pay, Grayson. That's literally, like, offensively, I think that's the case for Pat versus Grayson and Javon Carter. Is both there was of a those play, guys. There was a play, especially Pat. Yeah. There was a play in the Boston game. I think it was late third quarter. I can't remember off the, uh, exactly. But you see Grayson sort of like get to the top of the key, come come off a curl, and he has a split second of daylight, and he's like, okay, I'm not shooting the ball. I'm going to pump fake here, and even though the defender's not there yet. yeah. Uh, and then he gives up the ball, goes to the corner. Pat comes off a curl in the middle, just shoots. Yep. And I was like, Grayson, look what Pat's doing and do that. It's literally, it I was the that's... same play. I was like, just, just, I was like, I hope Grayson is looking <laughs> at the play. It's like, oh, that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, Brooke and, and sometimes Pat can get some grief. Like Pat, when he first came back, was playing the way Pat plays and shooting. And he was cold. He hadn't gotten his shot yet. And you've seen some like, oh, you know, Brooke and Pat just let go all the time. That's literally what the Bucks want them to do. That is the point. And that is far less frustrating to me to have one of those guys who we know can shoot. Brooke can be tenuous this year more often than not, though. He's been a good shooter. Those guys shooting open looks is why they are out there on offense. I mean, Brooke can do some other stuff, whatever. But like when you're around Giannis and Drew and mostly Giannis, you just have to do that. And when you don't do that, that's when – like I think the offense can be better even without Chris than it's been. But I think there's so many possessions in these games where one of Grayson or Javon, those are the two worst defenders, they're just open and they just don't capitalize. So I think to his credit, 
The last couple of games, Javon's been a little better. It's here and there. But they both just have these spells where they're like, oh, I caught the ball and I only have six feet of space. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to drive into somebody and, and reset the offense. And like you can't waste those advantages you get on offense. You need to take advantage of those. And that's why there's just like not enough decisiveness lately. And I think it's really costing the bucks. So I think you get Pat out there to start. And if, if Giannis is opening up these looks, even if not all the shots fall, we know that they're going to go up. And that's what we need. And I think Bobby Portis, too, I think he's been a little less hesitant to shoot. The problem is that none of them are going in. His three is like busted. But those three guys, Grayson, Pat, and uh, not Pat, excuse me, Grayson, Bobby, and Javon, just not shooting enough open shots or not making them, that's been a huge issue for the Bucs. Like they, they need more minutes from players like Pat, like Brooke, who it's like, all right, I'll take the shot. But I think even Marjon, like, not doesn't hesitate as much. He still travels once every game or two. But Marjon is more confident stepping into open threes than some of these Mamu, hell, than some of these other guys have been. I'm not saying yeah, play Mamu over Bobby, but clear, <laughs> to be clear, but it's like they all like you need to shoot open threes on the honest team. I know somehow Grayson is taking less threes per game than he did last season. It doesn't make any sense. He's at 4.2 attempts per game compared to 5.9 last season. And even then, we were like, okay, Grayson, you're not finding your shot very often. And he, it's not like you, you mentioned Bobby being a little, little hesitant because his shot's busted. Grayson's up shooting 40.2% from three this season. He's the best like he's, three point shooter. He's in the ab- yes, without a doubt. He's an absolute flamethrower from three. Shoot the ball, Grayson. Do you know? Like, do, just do it. That's what you're there to do. Do it. Do, do the know, thing. Well, do you know where he ranks in threes per game on this year's Bucks team? Threes per game on this year's Bucks team? Probably yeah. like either one through three, something like that. Sixth. Oh, my God. Drew Holiday, 6.1. 36%. Not bad. Chris, 5.9. Hasn't played much. Kind of doesn't count. But still, he, when he has played, he shoots, even though he's at 26%. Brooke Lopez, 5.2, 40%. Pat Condon already 5.2, 32%, despite playing seven less minutes per game than Grayson. Joe Ingles, who plays 10 less ga- minutes per game than Grayson, 4.3 to Grayson's 4.2. I just, I don't understand. Do you think it's something like the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer in Chris's absence were like, hey, we need a little more rim pressure? Like, that's something I've talked about in the past, too. Like, the Bucks need a little more rim pressure. Hey, Grayson, can you go be that guy? Like, sure, that's that's valid, but that also shouldn't take away from what you're good at, yeah. you know? Like, it's it's like the inverse of Giannis, like what we talked about. Like, hey, Giannis, like if you're going to be a good mid-range shooter, that's awesome. That's going to help your game so much. You're going to be a good three-point shooter. Awesome. That's amazing. That's incredible for your game. But don't let it take away from your pain presence because that's, again, that's what yeah. you're the best at. That's the same thing for Grayson Allen. If he becomes a competent driver, which, again, to his credit, he's been better at this season. He's been getting better as the season goes on because he's been tasked to do that a lot more. To his credit, it's been it's been doing yeah. it's been going well. It's been going decently well. Don't let it take away from your shot. I can't that's, imagine that's, that's your bread and butter. I can't imagine with the way they emphasize letting it fly that the Bucks would be on board with him turning down open jumpers, and that's what we're seeing. So I, I think you know I'm sure they I think, want uh, him to be well rounded, but I can't imagine that Mike Budenholzer is like Grayson. Stop taking open shots. I think I, I saw this. Uh, I saw this clip. I think it was a Boston reporter asked uh, asked Mike Budenholzer what he has to do to get Grayson to shoot more shots, and he said, "Yell at him." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there you go. You guess where Grayson ranks per thirty six on attempted threes per game? 
Oh, yeah, this is going to be depressing. Like sixth or tenth. no, like tenth. tenth. Yeah. <laughs> well, AJ Green is one, so that maybe doesn't count. AJ Green, technically the best <laughs> shooter on the Bucks, attempting 9.9 threes per game and shooting 47.4%. Big Sam, Merrill, Big Sam Merrill energy from AJ Green. He's like four years younger, though, which is incredible. <laughs> Um, he looks older though somehow. Among real rotation players, Pat is first, 9.4 per 36. Again, like he lets that thing go. That's what the Bucks need. Joe Ingles, Chris, Marjon, 7.7, 36.6%. Drew, Jordan Wara, the dearly departed. He's fine. He just doesn't play anymore. Um, Brooke Lopez and Wesley Matthews is attempting more threes per 36 than Grace Now. I'm sorry. Love both guys, kind of. That should never happen. That should never, ever, ever, ever happen. Wes plays less, so the number can get a little deflated. Wes Matthews should never be taking more threes attempted per 36 than Grace Nellon. It's disgusting. No, absolutely not. Like, Grayson, like, like I'm speaking to you personally here. Do what you're good at. Obviously improve your game. But don't forget who you are. Yeah. It's a problem that Javon and Bobby are 12th and 13th, too. Oof. Those are guys the Bucks also need to shoot. We're talking a lot about Grayson. Those guys need to shoot more, too. Proud of Giannis being 15th. Although everyone says he shoots too much. Only Serge and T.A. attempt less threes per 36 than Giannis on the Bucks. I want T.A. to get that number up. He is at .5. Yet to make one. He did score, though. Yes. I need him to get that number up. Let's let's. I think the Bucks honestly need to inject some TA sometimes. I mean, certainly. I mean, they need someone who's not going to let him get punked. Yeah. yeah. TA you know, is... I think I think it's I think it's really funny, by the way, that Bud didn't put TA in in garbage time against the Celtics because he's like he's going to fight someone. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know TA. Hmm. I don't know. I love him to death. Yeah, I know that. I do know that. Here's, will, will T.A. catch anyone else on the Bucks in scoring this season? He's got seven. Joe Ingles currently has 14. And then Sandman and A.J. Green both in the 30s. It's going to be really tough. That is tough. The only, the only way that happens is like if one of the – if not Mamu, but if A.J. Green gets like released. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or if Ingles doesn't make it through the year just because he's closer. Yeah. But I imagine Ingles will pick up some steam. You'd hope. And get up to Serge is at 62. He's the next lowest. Serge has scored 62 points this season? Yeah. Go off, Serge. Crowd of Serge for Duncan on Kendrick Perkins, by the way. Yeah, that ruled. That was so good. Love you, Serge. Shout out for uh, Perk. Perk did an apology tweet and then also right after did a you don't want me to tell the true story of what went on tweet. Like, you literally just a 2K character at this point. That That's literally your job. He's a character. He's a character. But uh, it looks like the Bucks. they'll try, like we mentioned up top, we're recording this Wednesday. They're yep. going to try to get back on track today against the Bulls. It's an away game. Uh, what do we got next on the schedule? Friday, they've got the Wolves. So like you mentioned, it's a little bit of an easier stretch coming through now. You get Bulls, uh, Wolves, Wizards, Wizards, Raptors, Hornets. I want to see That's, all wins. Yes. These teams are bad. They, they are bad. Like the Bulls are bad. Wolves are bad. Wizards are obviously bad. Toronto's yeah. Toronto's bad compared compared to what they compared to what we thought they were. What gonna a be. shame! 
I know. What, what a shame. shame oh, I'm so torn up about it, Rohan. And oh, man, their fans noting that Nick Nurse, OG and Anobi, as both of his thighs falling apart. Nick Nurse said 40 minutes, 44 minutes, 38 minutes, 46 minutes, all losses. We're seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing Raptors say it's turn on Nurse. What a, what a shame. What a shame. I'm seeing it. Maybe, maybe he can carry an oboe case instead of a guitar case with his stupid logo on it and they'll be back on board. What a shame. Oh, you hate to see it. You truly do hate to see it. Wait, I'm trying to... Also, Rudy Gobert got outplayed by a Miami Heat two-way center the other day. Oof. He got owned by... So I don't even I don't even recognize the guy. Orlando Blackman, I think? Oh, my goodness. Which, not a Spike Lee character. I know it may sound like that. That is a, a random Miami Heat-created player that is better than Rudy Gobert, or at least was for 30 minutes the other night. Uh, yeah, for the remainder of this month, Plus into January, I believe the Bucks only have five games against teams above 500. Wow. Um, and that would be and like the Knicks, the Pacers twice, Those the Nuggets, Nuggets, Cavs, and Pelicans. Oh, fun! Otherwise, some fun you, games. But yeah, a lot of yeah. They, they need to bank some wins here. You, you get two. You get two games against the Wizards. You get two games against the Hornets. You get two games against the Heat. You get the Hawks. You get the Pistons. Yeah. This is where the Bucks like, this is where you need to make your push. This yeah. is where you need to feed up on easy wins because this upcoming schedule is a cakewalk compared to what you and, just went through. And get healthy. You should be able to bank wins and like sit some guys and make sure you're, you're ready. Cause it did look like they were running out of gas a little bit by the end of this run. So hopefully we can see a lot of wins and some like 20 minute nights for Giannis. So the, the Hornets game on the next Friday is going to be a little tough. You talk about going up against a superstar. Gordon Hayward on Jan 6. Good luck. <laughs> it's going to be a show. Good luck. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> um, no, Andrew's converted now. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's I think that's all we have to get to today. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Uh, make sure you subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast platform of choice, YouTube um yeah make sure you check out gspn.info for all the fun links um am i missing any plugs here take the survey if you survey 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 yeah. survey yeah of course yeah make sure you check out the survey that can be found at gspn.info as well uh please take it it's very informative for us and it just it takes just a few minutes of your time if that yeah so please do that it'll help us out a ton and help us make better content that you guys enjoy exactly uh, but yeah uh pod random and we will talk to you next time Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.